you like to take notes, like me, I kind of like to put at the, the, the top of my page kind of what's being talked about. So the title for this morning, my preach, my lesson is The Inside You. So if you like to take notes, put that at the top. Um, you'll feel real spiritual as you do it. The Inside You. You know, when I was 18 years old, a lady bothered me enough to go to church. I'm glad that she did. And I went to church and I found Jesus. And within a few months of living within the context of a community with Jesus' people, I thought, man, this is the time for me to start sharing a lot of what is going on on the inside. And so I'll never forget, we left Bible study, and uh, two people within the context of that community are taking me to my house. And as we get closer to, the, to my house, I just start confessing some of the stuff that I'm struggling with, some of the stuff that's going on on the inside. And I'll never forget the advice that was um, given to me. We were sitting at the top of the hill, and uh, she looked at me, and she said, Chris, this is the best advice I could give you. It turns out it's absolutely terrible advice. But she said, I want you to fake it until you make it. She said, Chris, I want you to fake it until you make it. And I want to share with you guys a little bit of my heart, a little bit of my story. And hopefully in doing this, it'll kind of set the tone for the rest of our time together. But I want to show you what it looks like to fake it until you make it. Cole, can you put that first slide up? So this is me preaching right out of college, um, well on my way to the dad bod. I'm just kidding. But, you know, on the outside, it's like on fire for Jesus, and I was, passionate about making disciples, and I was. Um, but, you know, you see somebody post that, or I, I, can't, I believe someone else posted that. But, you know, I look back, and that was a guy that on the outside, you thought, man, he's, he's really killing it. But on the inside, man, I was wrestling with a deep addiction. And because of that, everywhere I went, I carried shame. I was restless, like I had, I had no rest on the inside, no peace, constantly always like questioning my identity as a child of God, feeling like God didn't want to have anything to do with me. So on the outside, it's like, oh, he's good. But on the inside, I was falling apart. Look at this next, next slide. This right here, it's a darker picture. It was taken on like an iPhone 2. Um, <laughs> but this is me in Chicago with my family and some friends of the family. And it, that was one of the best trips I, I, I'd ever been on. Uh, if, if you could see, um, I'm actually not smiling. I think it had more to do with like, I was in like a Channing Tatum phase. Um, <laughs> the girls like dancing and I was single. So I was like trying to dance and they like Tatum. So put those together. That's the, where I was at in life. But... That right there on the outside, like if you went to my Instagram or you went to my social media in that season of life, you would have thought, man, this guy, he's like traveling, he's doing this, he's doing that. But the truth is that was a season where I was wrestling with really bad depression and um, constantly everywhere you go feeling alone, when everyone's around, you smile on your face, but when they leave the room, tears and you're confused and don't understand why you're feeling a lot of the emotions that, that you're feeling. You go to the next slide. Um, this is a picture of my dog, and um, it has nothing to do with the lesson, but I just thought people would feel closer to Jesus if they saw Kobe. And um, yeah, that's, I, I'm a golden doodle dad. We have no kids. I am proud of it. So you can take that down. But 
a little, a little bit of lightness in, in some of the heavy conversation this morning. But, you know, when I took a break from social media and started spending some time with God, and I'm not anti-social media, I love social media, but when I took that break and I started spending some time with God, I started realizing that the inside me, like, I didn't get on Instagram longing for another picture of avocado toast or another picture of my friend's dogs. And I started going, man, why, what's the appeal here for me? Seems to be one of the most negative places on the planet, you know, maybe you feel that, maybe you don't. Maybe I just need to find better people to follow. But one day, you know, I'm just like realizing, I'm like, man, I, I think that the appeal to the Instagram is the fact that I can do there what culture has conditioned me to do my whole life, which is to pretend that I'm doing okay when I'm really not. And so the reality is sometime in between downloading the app and putting on our first post, we went from being a people who put filters on our pictures to putting filters on our lives. We put filters on our anxiety, our stress, our depression. We put filters on our worship. We put filters on our spiritual journey. We put filters on our marriages. We put filters on our relationships. We put filters on how we're doing on the inside. And I believe that all throughout human history, every regime, every nation, doesn't matter who's in power, I believe every single human being all throughout history has longed to find someone who could see the ugliest, darkest, hardest chapters, the places where we don't have it all together, our mess, and be able to see that and still choose us. To be able to see those things and go, no, 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 that's not making me leave, I'm staying, I'm with you, I'm for you. To find someone who would stand in those hard spaces with us, to throw their arms around us and walk with us and help us grow out of those hard moments. And I tell you, this morning, every single person, I have gospel for you. I have good news this morning for you. That this message of Jesus Christ is what your soul is longing for. That the person that you might search for at the club or you might search every time you come in, you think you're coming for Jesus, but the whole time you're distracted trying to find a spouse. Like the whole time you're longing and for whatever spaces to find this person, the one that you long for, here's the good news, the gospel. Gospel is good news. It's Jesus. And this is the message that should be preached in every church all throughout planet Earth that Jesus saw you and I, that he looked into the hardest, darkest, most broken spaces within our hearts. And he said, I still choose you, that I want you, that I love you, that I'm for you, that I stand with you. And this is why he moved into the neighborhood of planet Earth, so that you and I could move like back into his. Like this, this is the good news. 
This is why we worship. This is why we sing. This is why we pursue him, because he is that person. This is the gospel. And so this morning, if you like to take notes, here's going to be the outline for our time together, because this is what I believe that God is inviting us into as a church this morning. I believe that God is looking for people within the context of this community this morning that goes, you know what? I want to move beyond faking it until I make it. I want to move beyond putting a filter on my life. I want to move beyond acting like everything's okay on the outside, but when I'm falling apart on the inside. For those that this morning want to move beyond that, I think what God is inviting us into, is, if we're wanting to move beyond that, is to start having a conversation about how we can start taking steps to finding rest for the inside you, rest for our souls. So here's the outline for our time together. The first thing that we're going to read in this text is we're going to see that Jesus gives us an invitation to rest. The second thing I believe that we're going to see in this text is just this moment where we need to admit that we need rest. And then the third thing we'll talk through is just this idea that we have got to learn together to rest. Look to the text with me. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. I'll, I'll, I might even read to you until 30 if I'm feeling real spiritual when I get there. Verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, I will give you rest for the inside you. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Look back to just the beginning of verse 28. He says, come to me. This is the invitation to rest. He says, come to me all, which means it's an open invitation. So he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Come to me all who are struggling. Come to me all who have anxiety. Come to me all who are wrestling with depression. Come to me all who are wrestling with restlessness. Come to me all who can't seem to break free from that one sin that's been holding you back for years. He's saying, come to me and I will give you rest for the inside you. Come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. You know, when... When, when Jesus went around preaching, it's really interesting to me that quite often as he's preaching, he doesn't say it necessarily the same way every time, but it's basically him saying, hey, I want you guys to know before we get started, I'm unimpressed with your religion. I'm unimpressed with people who fake it till you make it. I'm unimpressed with people who think that they're doing really good building their spiritual resume, thinking that's what's gonna get them in in good standing with me. I'm unimpressed with that. But what Jesus is actually longing for is that every single one of us would live lives where we're inviting Jesus Christ, Messiah, Lord of Lords and King of Kings into our broken spaces where we're literally living with a posture that's going, Lord, I need your goodness. Lord, I need your faithfulness. Lord, I need you to like leverage all of your power into these spaces because I can't find freedom without you. And that's the invitation. He says, hey, come to me. Come to me. All who are longing to find rest for your souls. He says, I'll give it to you. Come to me. Now, here's the deal. For a lot of us, when we think about the coming to Jesus, we have a, a distorted view of what the invitation actually looks like. 
And what I mean by, by this, let me give you an example. Maybe some of you can relate. But I, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people who view God the Father as the dad that enjoys using the belt on his kids versus being the dad who hears his kids, who helps his kids, who loves his kids, and who champions his kids. And let me show you how that plays out. For a lot of times, people who think of God the Father that way, this is how it plays out. You only come to God when you feel like you've been religiously good enough. So if you've been reading your Bible and you've prayed real hard and you've been able to stay off tender and you've been uh, you know, uh, uh, not committing any big sins, then man, God really loves me. And I'm going, man, that's not the gospel. You know, one day, Lord willing, not right now, maybe down the road, but me and Allison, I hope we get to have some kids. And, you know, my hope is, and my prayer, and you guys can join me in this, is that we would have like a six, eight, like, next Larry Bird, just like legend of all legends basketball player, right? Um, and then in Jesus' name, and the church said, yes, Lord, bring it, bring it, come on. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Uh, but imagine that uh, old Larry Jr., he gets to, he gets to learn how to walk. Now imagine, you know, when babies walk, it kind of looks like they're doing the wobble. You know, that's like the hot dance at weddings. Um, I'm hoping one day we'll move beyond it, but for some reason, that's just where we're at as a culture. So imagine my son, old Larry J. He's, he takes his first step, right? He didn't do the wobble. So he takes his first step, and imagine he falls. Mom's pumped. Grandparents are pumped. He's my son, so he's probably going to wait for a crowd before he takes his first step. I'm just, I'm just guessing. But imagine how bad of a dad I would be if I come over and I'm like, boo. I'm like, son, I cut my own umbilical cord. I'm like, boo. Like we fundamentally know that is the worst dad in all of history. And yet sadly, that's how a lot of people think of God the Father. What does a good dad do? A good dad comes over, scoops the kid up, and he's like so pumped, he just puts his kid down and he starts to cheer him on again. Like this is the invitation. And a lot of us have a distorted picture of what that looks like. Jesus did not go from town to town healing the sick and in between going, hey, I'm God. You guys are really bad and uh, if you'll go get yourself together, just maybe I'll let you into heaven. Follow me on Twitter. It's like, that was not his message. His message was that you and your brokenness and in your sin and in your struggling and whatever's going on in here, I love you. And you have a seat at the table. No matter your story. No matter your story. And for a lot of us, we don't see God that way. Some of you right now, the devil, I'm, I'm just telling you how he works. Right now, he's telling you, oh, well, that, that might be for everybody in the room, but they don't know your story. They don't know what's going on on the inside. They don't know the thoughts that run through your head. They don't know how you can't go to the gym and not lust. They don't know how you can't go to the bar and only have one beer. They don't know. 
And you're going, man, Chris, if you knew, you wouldn't even want to have a seat next to me at the table. Hey, guess what? You can reverse that. But here's the most powerful part about that thought. There isn't a human being on the planet that gets to determine who sits where. But Jesus says, all are invited. You look back to the text, he says, come to me all. No matter your story this morning, I want you to know that the invitation to rest is for you. It's not for a Photoshop version of you. It's not for a better version of you two months from now. It's not a version of you that's set free. I'm telling you right now, listen, if you take anything away from what I say this morning, the invitation to come to Jesus has nothing to do with your goodness. The invitation to follow Jesus has everything to do with who he is. And if you'll come under that, you'll start to find a freedom that you never thought you could experience. The invitation, come to me all. You look back to the text, and this brings us to our second thought of admitting that we need rest. You see, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, I will give you rest for the inside you. I will give you rest for your soul. You know, I'm going to kind of just put this out there. The people that Jesus would have been preaching to, they would have been just like us. And as they were listening, just as much as we are, not to me, but to the scriptures, every single person that he would have been teaching to and preaching to would have needed rest for the inside you. And yet, when he preached there, in the same way that the gospel is being preached here, we all have the same opportunity that they had. There's two options. We can say no I'm going to go try to find rest in other spaces. Or we can say, yes, like that's, I didn't have language until today, but there's a lot going on the inside and that's what I want. I want rest. I want rest for my soul. I want rest for the inside me. You know, I wonder if I was to give everyone in this room an index card and a pen And I said, I want you to write one word to describe the inside you. I wonder what we would write. I just asked, hey, you don't have to say it out loud, but what would you write? What would you write? Would you write joy? Would you write peace? Would you write like restful? Would you write like restlessness? Would you write like stressed? Would you write anxious? Would you write like depressed, like what would you, what word would you choose to describe what's going on on the inside? You know, in a church this big, I wonder how many of us actually would use the word rest. I just wonder. You know, I can only speak from experience because this is my story, this is my journey. Um, and so I just shared, hey, this morning, it's not about filters. It's, it's not about faking it until you make it. You know, about eight months ago, um, I started dealing with anxiety in ways that I never had before. And so my word that I would have put on my index card would, would be anxiety. And 
I started experiencing anxiety in ways that I never had before, and it started to lead to like these bad panic attacks. I literally remember driving down the road one day, and you know, you're, you're, you're bumping, you're going to take my horse to the old town. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all don't listen to that because you only listen to Christian music. It's all right, it's cool. <laughs> Jesus loves you extra. Um, you're listening to that, next thing you know, you're like having a panic attack. And I'm in the car and I literally feel like I'm dying. I literally look like I'm doing like a version of like the heart robot. That's something your parents might do. I'm literally at the, at the red light and I'm like freaking out. I mean, I'm just like, I'm thinking this is it. I'm like, I'm gonna die in the Dodge Neon, Lord. I'm like, oh, you forsaken me. I'm like, just like having an attack at this red light. I can just hear the mom in the minivan next to me. Like, kids, look at that guy. That's why we don't do drugs. Like, look at him. I mean, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. And you know, after that moment, I mean, it was like anxiety every few days, panic attacks. I got to a point where I, I was so scared to drive downtown Nashville because I literally thought I was gonna have a panic attack. I mean, that's where I was at. And it's easy for those that don't struggle with that, go, well, brother, you should have been praying more. I was praying. I promise you I was praying. So going through that season of experiencing the inside you, and struggling with that. And going back to this idea that we need to admit we need rest. One day, Dave calls me and just calling to check in on me. And I'm leaving uh, uh, at Martin's downtown. Now, let's be real. Being downtown Nashville, literally in itself, can give anybody anxiety. I mean, you got traffic around every corner from the pits of hell. We have those pedal taverns. It's like 12 woo girls, chase tequila, woo! And you're like, Bye, Felicia. Like, you're like, go away. And, and he calls me one day, back to the story. So he calls me and, and we get to start having a conversation. And I'm like, man, he's like, in other words, he's going, how's the inside you? And I'm just telling him, I'm going, man, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm anxious. And, and that was a moment where he's just like, hey, you, you need to get away with Jesus. You need to strip away the things in your life that you can that are giving you anxiety. You need to get away with Jesus. Now, I'm being honest. Like, this is Confession 101. When I, I was like, yes, Dave, that's good. I'm like, yes, yes. I get off the phone with Dave, and I'm instantly, my posture is like, why do I have to do this? I'm like, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm making disciples, I'm baptizing people, and I'm like, Lord, and I'm playing the church. I mean, basically, I'm going, Lord, look at my spiritual resume. I'm like, come on, how can I be the one experiencing this? And it was just like the Holy Spirit going, Christy, you hear the Savior complex in your language. You were literally trying to be your own Savior. And that was a moment where the posture of my heart was like, ah. Oh. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like saying, Chris, I need you to say it out loud that you, you need rest for your soul. And here's what's so interesting, something so simple as me going, I need rest for my soul, God, and only you can give it. You know what was so profound about that moment with God? Is as I said it, there was a release within me and I started experiencing a little more freedom. I'd like to put a bow tie on and go, man, I don't struggle with anxiety anymore, but that's not real life. That's not where I'm at. I'm still on a journey. But I do know this, now that I've come to a place where I've admitted I need rest, now I'm accessing the source that can give me rest, which is Jesus. You look back to the text, it brings us to our third point. 
of just this idea of learning to rest. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He says, I will, you, you will find rest for the inside you. You know, that word yoke is an interesting word because this is the reality. Unless you're a farmer or unless you're one of those weird Nashville people that has like random farm animals running around your yard, eating your grass so you don't have to mow and pay for grass. It's, it's, it kind of sounds brilliant. Um, you, you might not know what a yoke is, but a yoke is actually this wooden cross piece where two animals will stick their head through it and then it's connected to a plow, all right? And so if one animal moves, the other has to move. And so basically what Jesus is really trying to press upon the listeners is this illustration that what I'm inviting you into, here's the word, we're gonna do it together. That we're gonna do it together. Hey, you're wrestling with anxiety or depression and you feel like you're all alone. That is the devil. You're not alone. God says, not only am I with you, I'm holding you. There's things in your life that you can't break free from. And you're going, how can I win? And, and literally God said, hey, I'm, I'm with you. We're in this, here's the word, together. We're in this together. He says, you keep running off and trying to build your own kingdom instead of helping me build mine. Guess what? I'm just gonna keep following you and I'm gonna keep pursuing you because that's my heart because I gotta bring you back. Why? Because we're in this together. You look back to the text. He says, take my yoke upon you. And here's the word. He said, and learn from me. You know, some of you have never had the glorious chance to wake up early on a Saturday and watch the most amazing cartoons in your life. But this was my childhood. Um, you could wake up and by the third bowl of Fruity Pebbles, I could have watched Scooby-Doo, Power Rangers, and then by the time I get ready for the fourth bowl, it's like Ninja Turtle time. I mean, you're just, it's amazing. Eight years old, I'm extra. I start to feel pains in my leg and I'm over at my grandmother's house. So instead of going, hey, something's wrong with me, I just insulate, Emma, I'm dying, help me. You know, she comes in, you know, and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, hey, I'm feeling pain in my legs. And then she says something that was so profound for an eight-year-old's brain. She said, those are called growing pains. She said, you can be experiencing pain and at the same time be growing. Come on now. You know that'll preach. Come on. Let's take what is in the natural to the supernatural. Jesus' invitation is Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let's do this together. And not only as we're doing together, I want you to know there's gonna be some learning that needs to be done. Now here's the deal. I'm just gonna shoot y'all straight. Every person in this room, the destination is the same to find rest for our soul. But that journey is gonna look a little bit different for every person. But as you take that journey, Jesus is saying, hey, you've got to learn from me. And in the learning, understand this, that as you're learning, there will be moments where you experience growing pains. The devil will convince you those are moments where you have lost, but I say take courage because that still means you're growing. 
A few weeks after I took that phone call with Dave and survived uh, the Pedal Taverns of Nashville, I found some time to be with Jesus. And I just wanna share with you a couple things that he kind of put into my heart, and maybe this will give you a good just kind of starting place for you to begin to find rest for your soul. The first one that, that he really kind of just, just put in my heart as I was spending time at the house with him was this idea of what is the content of my soul? And the question that I just began to wrestle with going, what is it that I'm allowing to shape the inside me in my life that I need to revisit? Second thing is the rhythm of my soul. And then I started to just in my prayer time understand that what God was really asking me to do is go, hey, what are some things in your life? What are some rhythms that you can begin to participate in that are gonna be good for the inside you? So what's the content of my soul? What's the rhythm of my soul? Those are, those are the two things I just encourage you in your time with God this week, just go, hey, what is the content of my soul? What, what am I allowing to shape me on the inside I need to revisit? What is the rhythm of my soul? You know, there's a reason that in the rhythm of creation, on the seventh day that God rested. Like, God didn't hit a good set and then think, oh, I need to rest. Like, he put it in there because he's the creator and we're the humans, and as the humans, we should listen to the creator. And the creator says, hey, your soul needs rest. And so let's try to start building that rhythm so that we can have a much healthier inside you. You know, you might be asking the question, why would we spend an entire Sunday uh, talking about the inside you, talking about our souls? And here's the reality. Every person in this entire room is not a body that has a soul. You are a soul that has a body, okay? I can get the band to come back up. We're not bodies that have souls. We are souls that have bodies. Let me tell you the difference. This body right here, it is failing, but the inside you gets to live forever. Whether you choose God or not, your soul is gonna live forever. I was reminded last week just about my body failing. Like, I went to the gym, 31 years old, hit it as hard as I could, felt good, felt like I was gonna come home, throw on one of my little Nike, like, uh, dry fit shirts, flex for my wife a couple times. And I was, I was, like, feeling so confident. You know, I come in, take my shirt off, nothing's changed. And you go, you go, well, that makes sense. Well, here's the discouragement. When I was, like, 16 or 17, I could eat, like, eight Big Macs in the middle of doing six sit-ups, and I was ripped. I don't know, it was just, it was a gift, all right? So that was a moment where I'm literally going, man, I'm like, this, this is terrible. I look at a cheeseburger and I gain 10 pounds now. I'm like, my metabolism has gone. I just felt like Toby Keith, he's like, you're not as good as you once was. I'm like, stop body shaming me, Toby. But that was just a moment where I was reminded. I'm like, this body is failing. You know, on a more serious note, a couple weeks ago on Easter, I went over to my grandparents' house and something that we do every year. And that was the first time since I've known my grandparents that I've had to watch them struggle to do simple things. You know, we spend so much of our lives wanting to get older, forgetting that as we get older, so do the people we love. And I was reminded, just being in my grandparents, that this body 
is not gonna last forever. But, but your inside, the inside you matters. Here in a second, I'm gonna get you guys to stand up and I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go to the table. There's bread on the table. It represents a body that was broken for you. It's Jesus. There's, there's a cup. It's got grape juice in it and it represents the blood that was shed for you. And here's what I know. Jesus didn't die on a cross for us, for our bodies. He died on the cross for us, for our souls. And so I just wanna ask you, you guys go ahead and stand with me. I would just ask that you guys would be courage, to, to have the courage to be bold enough this morning to, 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 to take that step, to say, you know what, I'm no longer gonna be somebody who puts filters on my life. I'm no longer gonna be someone who fakes it until I make it. But that I'm gonna rest in a God who loves me. That I'm gonna rest in a God who wants me. That I'm, I'm gonna rest in a dad who not only hears my prayers, but he wants to help me. He wants to love me and he wants to champion me on. As we go to the tables, I'm gonna pray and we'll go. But here's, here's the conversation I hope that we're having around the Lord's table this morning and around communion. I want you to share, if you'd be bold enough, with the people you're taking communion with and go, hey, what would I write? on my card and sharing. You don't have to explain why you chose that word, but sharing, I'm telling you, as you share, James chapter five, the brother of Jesus, there's a reason that the Bible says that we find healing when we confess to each other. Just confessing the inside you is gonna start to become more healthy. Maybe here in a second, as we go, you need prayers. Over my left shoulder, we have this respond banners, and there's gonna be people up there, and guess what? They're gonna receive you the same way that Jesus Christ would. No matter your story, no matter what's going on on the inside, you are loved, and we just want you to feel that this morning. If you come up and just say, hey, I need prayers, you don't even have to explain why you need prayers. But this morning, don't leave here being the person that's rocking the filter. Don't be the person that leaves here when you're unhealthy on the inside, but everything's great on the outside. God is so in love with you. It sounds like such a preacher thing to say, but it's the gospel. It's the good news. And it's the message that if you'll receive it can change your life. Let's pray. God, you're amazing, and God, we love you. And God, it's just such a joy to know that we serve a king whose ways are righteous, that when you make promises, that you keep them, that your love is an agape love, it's unconditional. God, this morning, I just sense that you're pursuing hearts. I see it. I feel it. 
I just feel it, Lord. And, and I, I pray, God, that right now, Lord, that as the, as the devil is convincing people, oh, you don't need to go forward. Oh, you're doing good. Don't. I just pray, God, would you send him back to hell? Would you silence the voice of the enemy? And would you turn up the volume on your voice, Lord? Would you speak to us? And would you speak to us, move us to a space where we start to confess what's going on on the inside, Lord? Father, you promise if we'll come to you that you'll give us rest for our souls, God. As we take the bread and as we take the cup, God, we do it in remembering that you didn't do it so that we um, could, could get together and have pepper alleys. You did it for our souls. You're transforming us. You're making us new, God, from the inside out. We love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.